Hi guys, welcome back for another episode of Unfiltered with Mia Finlay. I could probably drop the with Mia Finlay from the intro, given it's just me, that's fairly obvious, but I'm very happy to welcome you back for episode three. Thank you so much for all of your incredible feedback about the new podcast. I so appreciate it. So happy to be bringing you these episodes. Today's episode is a bit of a follow-up from episode one. After my sister and I shared our experience of losing our father to terminal cancer, I was inundated with emails, messages, comments across all of my social media platforms from people generously sharing their own experiences with grief, not necessarily with the stories of how they lost someone, but the experience of going through this process. And they gave me such amazing advice and just connected on a level that I think you only can if you have experienced the loss of someone who has been incredibly important and close to you. So first and foremost, an enormous thank you to everyone who has shared those experiences with me. I cannot tell you what it means to me. And we wanted to kind of pay it forward and share what we have gone through thus far, given dad died a little under a month ago and sort of sharing a raw insight into those early stages of grief, which are messy and difficult and unexpected is probably the word that I would use that would dominate my thoughts about what I have experienced and the feelings that I've had. And some of them are really complicated and we get into that today. It's not just afternoon special version of grief with violins going and everyone learning some great big lesson at the end of the story. It is an ever-evolving experience and one we really wanted to be honest about. So hopefully you get something out of this episode, whether or not you've been through grief or not. I think that it's valuable to share something which we're all inevitably going to go through, unfortunately. But hopefully you can use this as a bit of your grief survival guide. Very happy to have my sister back speaking with me and, as I said, sharing very honestly about her experience and her feelings and what we're currently going through. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and get something out of it. So, sister, thank you very much for joining me again. You're welcome. Obviously, we recorded the inaugural episode of the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yep talking about the recent passing of dad who we'd lost just a week before feels like a million years ago it does time is like a vortex four hours is one second and two weeks is a year yes one of the first effects of grief and we talked a little bit more in that episode about losing dad and particularly what he went through towards the end of his life in the final day Mm mm-hmm because there was a really salient point we wanted to make about end-of-life rights. So that was a little bit more of the focus of that episode. But since recording that, I was compelled to have us back on to talk about grief specifically, because I've received more than I really ever have about videos that I do on my channel. But this podcast episode, I received probably more emails and messages and comments about it than anything else I've ever produced. Right. That quickly, within a day of it going up, people emailing about grief, about their personal experience with grief, questions they have about grief, really important advice and super helpful advice about grief. Mm. And given it is so fresh for us and that you and I have been having conversations, particularly in the last week or so, about how grief is manifesting for us, I thought it might be useful to share this because 
there's not a lot out there about grief that's really raw and honest and sort of tells the truth about what it is that it is like to go through different stages of grief and how it's not what people might expect. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a weird process, definitely. And Super I think weird. as well, you know, the fact that so many people have contacted you, it makes me think how universally sort of relatable it is. And because weird it is. It, it's so weird and it's so, um, you know, everyone will lose someone. Everyone's going to die. You know, grief is going to happen throughout everybody's life pretty much you're going to you're going to you're going to experience it at some point so yeah it's it's very strange and i think that especially when you're younger you don't really think about it as much um and then when it when it comes when grief comes it's very it's not what you expect not like you see in the movies anyway no it's mm. not violin swelling and everyone getting to this great conclusion or life lesson and everybody embracing and being on the same page it is it's very isolating. It can be, yeah. It's very personal. Even mm-hmm. when you've lost a central person where everyone's losing the same person, whoever they were to you is kind of going to define your grief. And, of course, you all don't have the same relationship with that person. Yeah. So the way your grief is defined is going to be determined by your relationship. Yep. Which is why it makes sense that a lot of people don't get on the same page. Correct, yeah. Or grieve in different ways which can kind of – cause conflict or separate people even if it's not conflict just keep people isolated it's very common in families and um, mainly in families I think um, because you know you have people as you mentioned who have different relationships with that person um, whether it be partner siblings you know parent grandchild grandchild children whatever it might be Um, and so and, and it depends on the closeness of the relationship, the, the type of relationship you had. It's really complex. Yeah. And, um, and how everyone grieves that person can manifest differently, as you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So what's been the most unexpected part of your very recent yeah. but current grieving process that was not something you would have anticipated? How is it different from what you expected? Well, I think the thing is, is that I expected to fall apart and to be devastated, which is what I mentioned in the episode we were in previously, well, we we're talking previously about this. Um, so I just, I feel like that was my expectation and then that wasn't what happened. You kind of just get on with it and do all the things you have to do to, you know, wrap up everything, which sounds weird, but you do. Once someone dies, like there's this sort of, push to finalize their things and like finalize admin. their business and yeah. it's admin it's life it's life admin death life admin and death admin it's really strange um i yeah i thought that i wouldn't be able to do that right away i thought that i'd be in bed for a week i thought that my life would fall apart and um and i thought that would be the initial thing you know that would happen to me is that i would just not want to get out of bed but I think the surprising thing for me has actually been that I am having trouble actually emoting mm. during this period. Like I find that there's this little thing inside my brain that's suppressing um, my true upset over it all because it might be because I'm not at home. I'm 10,000 miles away from my comfort zone and, you know, it's I'm in an environment that's not something I'm used to and maybe 
it might come out in in weeks to come when I'm home I don't know but it's um yeah it's surprising to me that I'm sort of in this limbo at the moment Mm. it feels like Um, I think that probably does have quite a bit to do with our particular cert. I mean, I don't know because you and I, this is what really prompted us to have this conversation and compelled me want to want to share it because I, one of us said that to the other the other night, like I can't get it out. Yeah. It's like you get to the crest of the wave that never crashes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll be standing in the shower and I'm like, cry for the love of God, just cry. And yeah. I have cried. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I haven't been walking around like – you know, a robot, uh, but I haven't grieved in the way that I classically thought that I would. We were watching a movie the other night, a terrifying movie called Hereditary. Uh, mm. That is not my recommendation for you to go and watch it. And if you do watch it, immediately call your therapist afterwards. But there is a scene where somebody has passed away and another character is bereft and completely falling apart and is that image of not being able to get out of bed. And, and not I said being able to, to you, cope, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said to you, I thought that was going to be me. Yeah, And you said, I did too. me too. Yep. And my experience was I fell apart a little bit the day after he passed away, but that was more prompted by the circumstances and what we saw in the final hour. Yeah that he died, the amount of pain that he was in. But in talking about falling apart, really you were in bed for a little bit in the morning and then you got up and you got dressed and we went and we did the things we had to do. So you and were... Rose obituary and all that stuff. Yeah, you did everything you needed to that day. It was just this sort of, I think it was just the next day sort of letting it sink in and we were both struggling mm-hmm. at different parts of the day. But I think that we still, like there was no screaming, crying or... You know, we just sort of had to get on with it. And we've that's what I feel like we've had to do this entire time. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of my maybe concern is what you said before, which is are we going to go home and just fall to pieces? Because so much of what we've had to do is keep it together because we are so far away. And for a lot of it, we've only had each other. And, of course, your husband, Max, who came over for about four weeks, four or five weeks, but we're here by ourselves again in the final weeks before we leave. And because we are his adult children, we, it's fallen on us to take care of the admin and tidy up his apartment, which was an experience in and of itself. (laughs) Everyone make sure that you've got all of your cleaning and your filing and your organizing all sorted (laughs) at all times in case someone has to clean your stuff out. We have obviously had to go through a lot of, you know, the actual step-by-step of somebody passing away Mm -hmm. so far from home, so far from our support system that there's a little part of me that thinks when I go home and the finality kind of has passed and we get to go home and do a memorial slash service for him Mm -hmm. because we haven't been able to do that because everyone is back home that's right the majority you know obviously his partner is here etc but his family extended family are all back home there is a sense of sort of unfinished like there's no closure because we haven't said goodbye to him officially yet and um that I think feels a little weird um like it hasn't it hadn't felt weird until probably this week for me because it has now been three weeks since he passed away the first couple of weeks it was sort of like oh okay like I'm just sort of going through the motions and 
everything like that. But now that sort of we're wrapping up here, there's this sense of there's no closure for him, no closure for his family and friends. Like we need to organize a service for him fairly soon because I just feel like that's going to be the thing that kind of gets me there to where I know he's actually really gone. I mean, I know he's gone, obviously. I saw him after he'd passed away, but it's just the, you know, that the the idea is is that people come together when someone dies. It's a, a not a ritual. I guess it is a ritual. It is. It and, is. And, I, and I think it, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody, you know, just after dad died because that is what has been missing is that I think that there is some purpose to these rituals that people go through yes. and it's in every culture after somebody passes away you've got viking rituals you've got egyptian rituals and it is ancient that we conduct this this process and i think a lot of it is to put your focus and your energy into something which is practical mm-hmm. and step by step and there's a clear process because grief doesn't have a clear process That's so correct. here's an outlet before the grief actually well, it's hits. also like with any other kind of you know, ceremonial ritual, like with someone getting married, for example, like there are, it's a, it's a community experience. It's a group experience. You experience it with other people. There is actual research that shows that people who attend weddings have a higher level of serotonin in their brain during that time because they are experiencing the love and... Does that have anything to do with the higher level of consumption of champagne that I would be experiencing at that time? It may be. But, yeah, it's this idea of, you know, a group um, experiencing loss or love or... Birth. Birth or, you know, it's it's what humans are meant to do. Um, And so we haven't really done that yet for dad and that feels a little weird Mm. this week Mm. i'm anxious to get home not only for myself but to really be around people who knew him and um to actually celebrate his life yeah i think it's also that we haven't been able to really experience what life is going to be like without him yeah because we're living currently in western massachusetts in a house that is very temporary for us, not surrounded by family and friends. And I've even really struggled. And my friends, if any of you are listening, just apologies in advance, but I have been incredibly bad at getting back to friends and telling friends what's been going on. I'm talking my closest friends don't have a timeline of what happened with dad, with the exception of what I've shared on social media, because part selfishly, part of the reason why I've shared it, in the podcast and online is sort of to bring people up to speed without having to tell the story over, over and over again and over again, because to do that over Skype or the phone or Facebook or whatever in messages is just impossible. And it doesn't feel productive. Agreed. It feels like a conversation. You should be sitting across from somebody and telling them as opposed to just regurgitating the same story over and over again, which I said to a friend of mine, it feels like it's messing me up every time I have to tell this story yeah. over message or Skype or whatever. It's it's screwing me up more than it's helping me. Yeah, I've said to my friends, I'll tell I'll tell you details when I get home. I just can't do it over message. I can't do it over a phone call. I just want to sit down with you guys because I just can't do it. Like it's just I can't put into words how I'm feeling over a text message. No. It's just not something that I 
think is going to help me. And every time I go to do it, it's this sort of like icky feeling like, oh, I don't want to do that. I just don't want to write this out. I just don't want it to be. Yeah, I don't want to put that in anyone's lap or have it sitting there. I just I just don't like the feeling of it. I'd rather keep it to myself right now. Mm. Yeah. The people who I've found myself more likely that I would reach out to, like the people I, I, I feel more motivated to speak to are people who have been through it. Yeah. And they're not necessarily the closest people to me. And this is obviously by no fault of anyone like I don't like my friends because they haven't lost their parents but you know it's more in unless you have gone through this a grief that is a result of someone very close to you like a parent or a sibling or a partner I mean a child I think that just goes beyond any measure of grief yeah. you know I think it's mm-hmm. a totally different category in and of itself but it's very hard to or you feel like, you know, there's just an unspoken understanding from people who have been through it. Yeah, that's true. And some of those people for me have been total strangers, total strangers who have sent emails, who have said grief is going to be weird mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard and it's going to look the way it's going to look for you and all of that's okay. I think a lot of my feelings as well about being here is now just coming out in frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, annoyed that I'm still here, mm. annoyed that I still have to deal with this stuff. Like it's and and like there's been times I've been angry at dad, mm. which is stupid because he can't be dead angry at a dead person. It's just stupid. But there's been a few times I've been like, oh, like why? But why do I have to do this? I know that sounds ungrateful and shitty to put that onto but it's someone honest. who's died, but you know, like I mean, his his estate is actually very simple compared to a lot of people. There were just some things yeah. that he hadn't prepared for, which no. we're not going to specify. We won't specify. But just things that make this process a bit more frustrating yes. where it didn't need to be. And I felt the same way. I felt really frustrated with him. Yeah. In a way that I would have when he was alive and been like, Dada. Like, why? Are you serious? Yeah. Why couldn't you have figured <laughs> this out? I know. And I think, you know, it's given me some perspective as well, like, your business is not your business forever. Mm. Like when you die, everyone's going to know stuff that you have or have not done. Mm -hmm. So get your stuff in order. (laughs) It's that's my advice because I'm going to go home and start preparing my stuff. It's been very motivating. I mean, I'm only 35, but that's how I'm feeling at this point. Sort of like, well, I don't want to leave, you know, stuff in a mess for Mm. other people to have to sort I think it is. And I think, you know, when they talk about the stages of grief and they talk about anger, you think about, oh, you're angry at the situation or it comes out in other ways. But I think what they're talking about is that you do have maybe some anger or frustration towards the person who has passed away. I haven't had the sense of dad left me. I can't believe dad left me. But I know that is common, that people feel like they've been left or abandoned. I did feel abandoned a few Mm. weeks ago, maybe like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, it was a weird feeling because I know it's not his fault, but I did. I felt abandoned. I felt sort of like left out in the cold because I've gone through a lot of stuff over the last couple of months, like you have as well. But I mean, I, I'll share a little bit of my situation. I mean, I've left my job. They were really great. My, my employer, they allowed me to take a sabbatical for up to six months, um, to come over and look after dad. So I do have a job to go back to, but in that in that time, I was not going to be paid. 
and um, we also didn't know how long we were going to be here for. Yes, that's it could have been thing. up to a year. So yeah, I, I'm I'm in a little bit of debt at the moment because I'm here, um, and I'm trying to figure out a way that I can get out of debt. But you know, the thing is, is that this is what needed to happen. Dad needed me, and I came, and that's just the reality of it. But people do that kind of stuff for their family. Money is not a problem when the person, a person that you care about is going to die so you know like that there's a lot of anxiety and frustration and abandoned that abandoning feeling kind of felt like because he's the person just to you know get advice or guidance or help that we'd call yeah in a situation just like this exactly yeah and trying to navigate life in america having come from australia we won't get into it because at this point we are a little bit frustrated with how some things work and there's i think part of a, that is homesickness yeah there's a lot of um differences in how things operate here in terms of you know social services in australia in terms of just like general services the garbage it's very very different paying like, for your garbage to be picked up that's new that's very new for us mm. the garbage is picked up from the back of our house. Bit or the of front a surprise of our house. to us to find out that was not the case. <laughs> exactly. When we got so here. just little things trying to navigate has been hard. Which t- tiny when they're individual, but when you take trash removal and put that on top of your father passing away and being away from home, and in my case, me trying to run a business, you being away from your job and your husband, trash removal suddenly seems not like a molehill, it is truly a mountain. It does a mountain feel of like trash. That. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. Every time I go to throw something out here, it's like, oh <laughs> really? It I has, guess it makes you think. Yeah. Every item has like a five bullet pointed list of what you meant to do with it to yes. prepare it for removal. Yes. It's very weird. Yeah. Anyway. So it is it and it, and then you're reminded of the fact that you know, you get annoyed and anxious or frustrated and you'd want to talk to dad about it. And then comes the sadness of remembering he's not here Mm -hmm. and the guilt of feeling whatever you were feeling that made you remember that he wasn't here. Yeah. I think guilt's been a major one for me. If there's anything that I feel like I will need to work on long-term and maybe go home and unpack a little bit. And I have no hesitation in saying that I would go and speak to a grief counselor and have every intention of doing that. As anyone who has followed me for a while would know, big advocate of going and getting your mental health sorted, especially in a proactive way. I don't have any sense at the moment that it's going to hit me in any major way, but better safe than sorry. And guilt shows up for me in thinking back on all the ways I could have been better, not just in taking care of him, but being a better daughter and oh, being yeah. more present. And we were talking the other day about how the fact he would send us random links in emails mm-hmm. and the fact I never read any of them. I Sometimes know. if it was, he'd really hit this nail on the head and we'd just been talking about something which really had my interest, then yes, I'd read it. But they were such random things and I actually now can't wait to go back and read all of them because yeah. it's like another piece of dad, right? I always opened the link, but I just sometimes wouldn't reply to him or I wouldn't go back to him and go, oh, I looked at that thing that you sent the other day. I'll just, I'll just open it, read it and go, oh, that's kind of cool and then just get on with my day and I never really engaged with him on the things that he would send me. And to be clear, they weren't massive emails of him like, talking to us it was literally just like hi link dad x (laughs) right yeah but like little things like that will trip me up Mm -hmm. and I'll have this regret and this guilt and I never understood why people talked about guilt so much and so many of the emails that I've had from people have been 
sort of forewarning me and telling me it's okay to feel guilty. It's very, very normal. It's one of the dominant feelings that you have. And guilt, because we took care of him, is showing up in some of the ways that we were with him in the last couple of months, like even a minute that I wasn't in the room or maybe the time that I cooked sausages and didn't cook them all the way through because they were enormous and I didn't know how the kitchen worked that I was working in and they were terrible. The mash was great. The gravy was epic, but the sausages, inedible. (laughs) They were okay. I ate mine. Anyway. You did have to carve around the middle (laughs) raw part of the sausage. That's all right. Whatever. It's fine. But it's little things like that (laughs) that I know he wouldn't care about that he would never want me to feel guilty about. And I suppose that's our saving grace is that we had a dad who would just roll his eyes and go, oh, don't be silly. Don't be silly, darling. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. I did feel a bit of guilt. We had we had a disagreement a few weeks before he died as well, which I don't think I've, that sits well with me still. Me neither. I did apologise to him. I mean, to be fair, he was being fairly obstinate (laughs) and not helping himself yeah he was not being an advocate for himself and I was quite harsh with him because I just needed him to realize that we were there trying to help him and do the best that we could for him and he was just being him (laughs) doing exactly what he wanted to do and I did apologize to him and I know he knew that I loved him and I only ever did anything like that to like, you know, do what's best for him. So I hope that that's what he thought anyway. Yeah. Yeah. My reason for thinking why it hasn't been so intense is because I feel like a lot of my grief played out before he died. Yeah, that's true. Particularly the week before I came here. I just got back from Bali, which I'd booked because he told me everything was great. (laughs) It wasn't because my first day in Bali, he was in hospital. He was telling little fibs. Yeah, a little bit trying to protect us as always. And I was, I then came back from Bali and was prepared to go straight over to America or come over to America. And then I got the flu. I got incredibly sick to the point of hallucinating. I was so feverish and unwell. And I was a wreck that week because that was the first time I'd heard the word hospice, knew he was going to palliative care, all treatment was ending. I knew what all of that meant And I saw how he looked over Skype and he had taken a huge physical turn for the worse. And I would just spend all day in my dressing gown on the sofa, just sobbing. Yeah. And then just going numb and then sobbing and going numb. And somebody said to me, you can't grieve him preemptively because you're just going to grieve him later. You can't put yourself through this torture. And I was, I kept making myself go to these awful places of thinking about how terrible it was going to be when he passed away and how I was going to feel then. And I think I was trying to do like a shortcut, like maybe if I get my grief out of the way now, I won't have to do it later. And as much as people warned me that that wasn't the case, I feel like it was in the sense that I knew what was coming. I knew he was going to die. I think from what people have told me, it is quite common when you have – a certainty that somebody's going to die. You're dealing with somebody who has a terminal illness. The grieving process is quite different to when it is a shock and out of the blue. I think you do grieve someone prior to them dying when they're going to die of a terminal illness. Mm. I had the same experience. I found out he was going to die. I heard the words palliative care, hospice, um, and I 
just fell into a bit of a heap for a few days. Sleeping wasn't really a thing that I did over those few days. Eating, I didn't eat. I was crying pretty much 24-7. It wasn't until I got on the plane that I really stopped crying. And then when I got here, I haven't been like that really since. I've had a few moments like that where I've cried or, you know, I have grieved him, but not that consistent sort of day after day, not being able to cope. Um, I mean, I was still coping then too, I guess, but it was just through tears. Yeah. Yeah. And it is its own way of coping. I think that's the other thing is I was watching this great video and listening to the podcast of this amazing lady who is so funny. Her name is Nora McInerney. And she has a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking. And I found her TED Talk. That's how I found out about her. And she really talks about grief for a living. In the space of a very short space of time, she had a miscarriage. She lost her father. And then she lost her husband to brain cancer. Oh, my goodness. When she had a Mm two-year-old. And she talks about grief for a living from sort of the lived experience standpoint. And she was saying that grief is such a multifaceted experience that, yes, there will be devastation and sadness and very sad memories. The day that Dad passed away will always, in some regard, be traumatic and incredibly sad. And being with him after he passed will always be very peaceful and cathartic, but hugely, hugely sad. Yes. No other word for it. Sad is such a simple word like happy, but it's the only word for it. Yeah. But... You also laugh, yeah, and remember, and make fun of them a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, we used to tease Dad. Yeah, well, quite we're a his lot. daughters. That's I our know. our rite of passage. Yeah, and we still kind of do tease him. Yeah, we kind of joke about some of the things that he did that was a little bit strange, and we're kind of like, "Oh, that's JGF for you." Yeah, you know. And I love this thing she said. She was like, "You don't move on; you move forward with them." Yeah. And that's how I feel like I remember the last the couple of days after he died and I kept saying to you, I feel like he's with us. Yeah. And all respect to anybody who is spiritual or religious, but I am not. Neither. I can speak for you, I think, because you just did for yourself and say that you're not. And we know that dad wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he was. Someone not. even tried to convert dad to the at the end and it was hilarious. Yes. We all had a good <laughs> chuckle about that, including him. Dad was a science guy through and through. Yeah. But in some sense spiritual because he was so about the scientific properties of the universe, not like the the secret version of the universe. Yes. Uh, but he did believe in sort of going back to where you came from. Yeah. In the sense that we are all matter. Yes. You know? uh, but I remember saying, I feel like he's with us. And the, my only problem is that I'm I'm not with him in the sense that I love him and there's nowhere for the love to go. Mm-hmm. Like there's nowhere for me. And I had after he died, I've always loved him, but I had this immense sense of my love for him. Yes, yes. And all the crap from someone's life just kind of goes to the back and what comes forward is how much they loved you and how present they were for you and how good they were to you and all the things that especially as a child you don't see because it's just that's just dad. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course my dad loves me. And of course my dad thinks I can do anything. And my mm-hmm. dad thinks that, you know, I'm the greatest thing to walk the planet. Of course he does. That's mm-hmm. what he's meant to do. And then when they're gone, you have such a deep appreciation for the fact that, A, no, that is not the case for everyone. Yeah. And B, how lucky you were. Yeah. And then you 
don't have anywhere to put that. Yeah. So it sort of just gets stuck and then it's that's where the sadness sits, I think, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It sits in the in knowing that he's gone and I was really lucky and that he loved me so much and I loved him so much and I can't share that with him. I can't tell him anymore. I can't call him. I can't, you know, have that relationship with him because he's not here anymore. That yeah. is the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. It's And then I think it's the anticipation of knowing that's going to continue to come up for us. Oh, yeah. At pivotal moments and completely random ones. I have a feeling that, you know, I um, I'm going to struggle a lot when I have a baby. That's going to be a hard time for me. And I think as, as you know, if I have a child and they grow up, that's going to be hard. Like seeing my child reach different milestones and knowing that my dad isn't there to see it. Because um, I always thought that dad would be a grandpa to my kid. Yeah. And I mean, he is obviously, but he's not going to be here. And you and I have been talking about him in the present tense and correcting ourselves. But I've noticed we've sort of stopped doing that recently. Yeah. That we, I think, have lent into that idea that we were saying to us early on, like, he is still our dad. Yeah. We aren't orphans. We haven't been left without a father. He is still with us. Yeah. And we can choose to take him with us. And the idea that we can't put that love somewhere, there are a lot of people who loved him. And the fact that I get to share him and we get to share him on this platform and in this way. Yeah makes me feel better and I've heard people say that a lot that if you get to talk about your loved one that's the best thing that you can do that's the best thing other people can do is give you the opportunity to talk about them yeah when they're alive not to talk about or focus necessarily on the illness or their passing or that part of their life because your loved one wasn't an illness they aren't the way they died exactly yeah yep so I'm thinking less and less about his cancer and the last few weeks of his life And even the last two and a half years of his life since he got this diagnosis, I've been thinking less and less about like that aspect of his life as time goes on. I'm just thinking about him and like the times we spent together and the things we did. Like that is sort of where my memories are now. Mm. Um, And that's coming back more and more um, rather than, yeah, the devastation of cancer. What would be your advice to somebody who might be facing what we've just gone through and what to sort of expect or how to take care of themselves through grief. I think the thing is, is that you just have to let yourself go through it. You have to just let yourself feel it all. And you're not going to know what's coming um, really. I mean, you can look into how, you know, typically people die and what their symptoms are and all of that kind of stuff of death coming up. But how you're going to react to it is going to be an individual experience and you just need to be prepared and ready that it's going to happen. I would probably go and um, speak to somebody as well. So reach out for help from a mental health professional if you um, need to do that. I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, um, I think it's allowing it to be what it's going to be. Yeah. That some things don't need to be fixed. Yeah. And grief is not going to be fixed. No. It's not going to go away. Yeah. It's not just going to be like a breakup. Like one day you just won't think about that person anymore. It's going to come back at different times in different phases of your life in different ways. Yeah. 
sort of like with anything, I think grief is like a spiral staircase. You're always sort of ascending and moving from the deep bottom of grief, but you're always circling the same stuff, right? It's not a staircase where you're just getting away from it. Mm -hmm. You're sort of circling it. Yeah. It's always in the middle, but you're just looking at it from different angles and understanding it from different perspectives. Yeah. So guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Like I said, I will put a link to that TED Talk in the SoundCloud page of this episode. Please come and give the podcast a follow over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. You can find it everywhere. Make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review if you would be so kind. You can always drop me a note at unfilteredwithmia at gmail.com. If you have any podcast episode suggestions or questions or feedback, always love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for joining us and I'll see you guys next week.